What a beautiful word picture. Father and his little girl, starting out with butterfly kisses and hugs when she's just a little one. 16, saying, Daddy, this is a little different, but I still love you. And then butterfly kisses when she gets married and then hopefully for the rest of her life as well. It's a picture of appropriate, meaningful touch. And that is something that every human being needs, not just father-daughter, not just in the immediate family. It's something that we are hardwired to need desperately. Matter of fact, the New Testament is filled with something we call one another's. Hug, uh, not hug, but uh, greet one another, uh, pray for one another, encourage one another. And all of the one another's are very important, and we should do them all. But the ones that are repeated over and over take on a special emphasis. And do you know the second most repeated one another in all the New Testament? Well, here it is. It has to do with appropriate, meaningful touch. It's found in Romans 16, 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 20, 2 Corinthians 13, and 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this, greet one another with a kiss of love. Now, back then, that was appropriate. That's how Christians greeted one another. It was very meaningful, and it was the way they shared affection, touch with one another. Now, if we did that today, of course, it would freak people out because culture changes, society changes. uh, The way we show meaningful and appropriate affection changes. And that's why some of the more modern paraphrases of the Bible try to take the concept, give appropriate, meaningful touch to one another and contextualize them in how we would do it today. The Living Bible, for example, says, give each other the handshake of love. Uh, that's, that's okay. Uh, the message version says, give holy embraces all around. Well, that's pretty good effort to explain that. But it doesn't matter that the way it's done, it matters that it's done appropriately in the right context and meaningfully. Now, the Holy Spirit knew, and that's why he spoke to both Peter and Paul, that we as human beings, we need desperately the blessing of touch, the right kind of touch. And that's something that science is now just figuring out. And I read this week tons of research that scientists have put together on what happens when we touch each other in the right kind of way. Probably the most important research in the area of human touch is what happens in your body when you touch people appropriately, meaningfully. When we touch each other lovingly, our bodies respond by releasing neurological chemicals like oxytocin and serotonin. And those chemicals make you feel good. They make you feel closer to the other person. At the same time, touch reduces levels of cortisol in your body. That's the stress hormone. It causes them to decrease. So not only does it make you feel better, it makes you healthier. Over one-third of the five million touch receptors in your body are inside of your hands. Dr. Dolores Krieger, a professor of nursing at 
NYU found that when people lay hands on each other in a loving way, both people are benefited. Hemoglobin levels in the bloodstream go up. Body tissues receive more oxygen, which energizes a person and even aids in the regenerative process. Now, I'm not sure. Matter of fact, I'm probably convinced that in the Old Testament, when Ephraim and Manasseh had hands laid on them by their grandpappy Jacob, I'm sure they didn't understand the science behind all of this, but I'm sure that they felt blessed, blessed that their, fa- their grandfather did that. In his book, Caring, Feeling, and Touching, a teacher at the University of Massachusetts named Sidney Simon spoke of something called skin hunger that's felt by every human, a deep-seated need for touch, for feel, for the concrete reality of human contact. He said that every human being comes into the world needing to be touched, and that persists until we die. And you know what? That probably explains a lot of what's happening right now in our country. Because of the pandemic, because of all that's happened, a whole lot of people aren't able to touch one another in an appropriate, meaningful way. I know at home right now, there are some of you that haven't had a hug, haven't had a touch, haven't had just a a pat on the shoulder, any of that contact with humans. And the, the rate of depression, of, of the feelings of isolation, uh, substance abuse is skyrocketing. And sometimes we don't understand why that's happening. It could be reduced probably to something as simple as we need touch with one another. Our church does something called CV Outreach. It's a ministry and what they do. This ministry advertises on Google. And when people search Google for uh, what do I do about loneliness or what do I do about depression or I'm struggling with substance abuse, this ministry, if they click on their button, they show a video. And the video is really good. It's about uh, the answers in the scripture to deal with all those problems. And if the people want more contact, then they press a button and it sends an email to a church who contacts them. Well, if they do that in Colorado, we get the email. Our church does. So it's been going on for about two years. And every time we get the email, we write them back, talk to them, try to contact them and help them. I've been doing it for about two years. But the number of the outreaches that we're getting right now are at least double, at least double what we've had historically. And they're heartbreaking. People talking about uh, substance abuse, relationships falling apart, loneliness, depression, uh, seeking answers. But even before the pandemic hit, uh, Americans weren't necessarily known as a country of huggers. (laughs) Uh, There are countries that are a whole lot more huggy than we are. And maybe some of that is because of the abuse scandals that have happened in the last few years, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse. A lot of people get gun shy, honestly, about showing physical expressions of love to one another. But avoiding healthy, appropriate, godly, meaningful touch robs others of the blessing 
and it robs us as well. Heard the story this week of a four-year-old girl who became frightened one night during a thunderstorm. She jumped up and ran down the hall and burst into her parents' room. Jumping right in the middle of the bed, she sought out her parents' arms for comfort and assurance. Don't worry, honey, her father said. Uh, The Lord will protect you. God's with you. The little girl snuggled closer to her father and said, I know that, Daddy, but right now I need someone with skin on. I need someone with skin on to hold me in the storm. Now, you have skin on, and God has entrusted all of us who have skin on to give to others the blessing of the comfort, love, assurance that comes with the right kind of touch. That is a blessing. So let me define again for you what I mean when I say the blessing. And that's what our series of messages is all, has been all about. But I want to make sure we understand what it means. When I say give someone a blessing or the blessing, it's a deeply held awareness, not just a feeling, a deeply held awareness on the inside of acceptance and value that I am valued, that I am accepted, that there's a meaningful uh, life for me that is communicated. I can give it to you or received. You can give it to me through words, and that's what I've been talking about now for the last three weeks, the words, words that that talk about the high value of every person, words that picture a, a, a better future for that person through words and through actions. And that's what I'm talking about today. Now, this thing, this appropriate, meaningful touch was such an important part of the blessing that was given in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 48, and I alluded to this earlier, uh, Jacob was going to give the blessing to his grandchildren. And here's what the scripture says. Uh, Joseph speaking now, he says, these, speaking of his two sons, uh, are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel, that was Jacob's name when it got changed, then Israel said, well, bring them to me, my grandchildren he's talking about, so that I may bless them. Now, Israel's eyes were failing because of old age. Isn't that interesting? Same thing that happened with his father. So he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them, and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. The Hebrew word translated um, bring close uh, is used often in battle. When soldiers would gather to fight against an enemy, this Hebrew word was used where the call would come out, get close, get close. Let's get arrayed in such a way that, that we can win this battle. It's such a great descriptive word that when we get close to one another, there's a power there. Now, Jesus understood all this. He understood the blessing that touch could communicate. First of all, to, ch- to children, We'll get to adults in a little bit, but first of all, to children. Let me read to you from Mark chapter 10. It says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, cut it out, basically. Let the children come to me. Don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. 
Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms. Jesus did. Children. They weren't his own. But they were just kids. And he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Here's some things we know about Jesus. We know that Jesus could have easily just waved to the children from a distance. Hey, guys, God bless you. And that would have meant a whole lot to them. It really would have. If Jesus just wanted to communicate some kind of spiritual message to the crowds, he would have said, bring a child in the middle, notice this child, the kingdom of heaven is like this child. He could have just done that. But he decided, no, there's something else. I want to I wanna show something. I want to demonstrate something. And I want to bless these kids. So here's Jesus, the Son of God, just sits there and kids coming, kind of like Santa, <laughs> and he's laying his hands on them and hugging them and praying for them and being with them. Why is that important? Because to children, things become real when they're touched. Uh, you ever been to Disneyland? Uh, I went there years ago. I took my children when they were very little, and they had seen for years uh, Mickey and Goofy and, and uh, Ariel and all those people in the movies, but here we are at Disneyland, and now those characters are walking around. <laughs> there, there they are. We, we say, you know, it's time to meet uh, Goofy. There he is, and here comes Goofy, and at first they were a little like gun shy, but I said, no, you can touch them. Go ahead and touch them. They would go up and touch Goofy and Mickey and Minnie. And when they could touch, that character became alive to them. And I've got pictures of them being hugged and touched by all kinds of uh, those little characters, and it meant the world to them. But it's not just children who need the blessing of appropriate, meaningful touch. It's adults, too. That's why Jesus did something in Mark chapter 1 I want to tell you about right now. It says, and a leper came to him. That's a man with leprosy came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he, as Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched this man with leprosy and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now, leprosy was a horrific, horrible skin disease. And when you got it, you got it bad. It would continue to work in your body. It would eventually cause you to lose your fingers, toes, nose. Uh, your body would just start to disintegrate, fall apart. And it was so contagious that if you got it, you had to live outside the city in a leper colony. You couldn't live in the city anymore. And you had to stay separate from everybody else, social distancing, basically. And when you got near somebody, you had to yell, unclean, unclean, so they could tell that you had it and stay away from you. It was so horrific of a contagious disease that there were laws given in the Old Testament, uh, tons of laws concerning what to do when someone had this thing called leprosy. Jesus, we know, because of other scriptures in the Bible, could heal just by speaking. He could have said, be healed, and the person would have been healed. But Jesus decided to do something else. 
Jesus decided to touch a person with leprosy, which was not supposed to be done, but he did it. He wanted not just to heal his body, but his heart. Who knows how long it had been since this man had somebody touch him. Just touch him. Just put his arm around him or hug him or lay hands on him. We need the blessing of touch. Even the toughest guy needs it. I read this week about a man named Michael Krauss, a psychologist who studied NBA basketball teams. And you ever watch a, a basketball team play, you'll see a whole lot of what they do is high five and slapping on the back and that kind of thing. Every once in a while, maybe a little pat on the rump, but a whole lot of touching going on. Well, this psychiatrist decided to write down every time these players touched each other during the game. Here's what he found. He found that early in the basketball season, he could tell which teams would be most successful by the number of times they touched each other during the game. He said, we were very surprised. Touch predicted performance across all NBA teams. Amazing. Dr. Jamie Heisman said this, there's nothing more powerful than touch of all the five human senses. It literally changes the biochemistry of children and seniors, especially those who have memory disorders. All right. Are you convinced that appropriate, meaningful touch is biblical and medical and needed? All right. Well, this is the time in the message where every week I usually give application. If you watch how I do messages, I usually preach about something, then I'll have a time to say how to take this biblical principle and put it into your life. But as you can imagine, this was my most difficult application uh, I've, I've ever done because we are in a pandemic. There is this thing called COVID, and it does spread and it is dangerous. Many people are impacted by it. So let me try to give application the best I can in this environment. There are some situations, and some of you at home have these situations, and some of you here have these situations, where it is okay, it is all right to touch. For example, my wife and I, uh, we touch each other a whole bunch. We live in the house. We're isolated. We can touch. That's okay. Uh, if you're in a house and you have children uh, there, then, then you can touch. There are situations where it's, it's safe and it's okay. If that's your situation, then I want you to give one another a whole bunch, a whole lot, hugs, and whatever else you do in your house, butterfly kisses, I don't know what's appropriate in your home, but do it. And you've done it in the past because, you know, it's affectionate. Or maybe you haven't because you're just not an affectionate kind of person. But I tell you what, that person in your family needs it desperately, desperately. They might go to work all day and have to wear this mask and stay isolated from everybody else. But what they need in the context of, of a home is appropriate love and touch. So I, uh, I'm a touchy-feely guy. I'll confess it to you. I am touchy. Uh, I love to touch. And uh, I always understood the importance of it, but I tell you now, 
It's something that we need to double wanting to do with one another. That's simple. What about those who, um, who can't right now? You're in a high-risk group, or maybe you live alone, or whatever your situation might be, and you have not had touch in a very, very long time, and, and you weren't able to explain exactly why you feel so out of it, but, but that's a whole lot of it. What do you do? Well, as I was praying and searching the scriptures, I'd say, God, what, what do I say to people watching from home right now who uh, have just been in their home for a long time, people in their 80s, people that are isolated and alone? You know, I can give hope and say the time will come when, 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 when hopefully when this can change. But what do we do now? Well, so I was studying the scriptures this week. I said, God, what do I say? And the thought came to me. I think it was the Holy Spirit that reminded me again that God is a touching God. That God himself is a touching God. It says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God didn't want to just have us believe in him. He wanted to become a man and touch us. That's why he's walking around in the flesh, touching and being touched by other people. The incarnation shows us that God wants to touch And when Jesus died and rose again from the dead and went to heaven, that touch didn't stop. Let me tell you a story. John the disciple knew Jesus before he died and rose again. He spent three years with Jesus. And in those three years, I'm sure they did a whole lot of high-fiving and back-slapping and all those kind of touch things. But Jesus died and he rose again from the dead. And then John was uh, arrested for being a Christian. Many of the early Christians were. And he was sent into isolation, quarantine, on an island called Patmos. And there he was all by himself with no human to touch. And here's what happened to him on that island. And worship team, would you... Come up in the front, please. We're going to be going back into worship in just a moment. John is on the island. He's all by himself. He's in quarantine. And in Revelations chapter 1, verse 17, here's what he says. When I saw him, he actually saw Jesus. This is after Christ died and rose again. When I saw him, Jesus, Jesus was there on that island tangibly. I fell at his feet as though dead. But he, Jesus, laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of hell. Jesus, after he came back from the dead, could still touch people? tangibly in such a way that they could experience it and say that that his right hand was on me yeah 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 why would he do that because john had no one else to touch him john had no one else to touch him and jesus said well i'm going to do it (laughs) i'm going to do it i'm going to give the blessing of touch here's what we're going to do right now 
we're going to go back into a worship song. You can just stay in your seat and just listen if that's more comfortable to you. Or you can stand and worship whatever you'd like to do. And after we do, I am going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for all of those that are home. And I'm going to pray to Jesus. And I'm going to ask him to do for you what he did for John. I'm going to ask him to give you the blessing of letting you feel his touch in your life today. Wouldn't that be amazing? Would you like that? That's what we're going to do. Listen to the words or sing along and then I'll be back.